Welcome to the Beehive Capital Show. I'm Douglas Abusu. As always, I'm here with the Beehive Capital Management Team. On the Beehive Capital Show, we provide a medium for the startup ecosystem's most respected and trusted leaders to share their insight so entrepreneurs and investors can flourish, even during these trying times. Isaac Oluwalafe Jr. joins us today. He is the founder of the DMZ's Black Innovation Fellowship Program and general partner of DreamMaker Ventures, the venture arm of DreamMaker Inc., an asset management company. Prior to DreamMaker Ventures, Isaac founded DreamMaker Developments, a real estate development arm of DreamMaker Inc. Isaac, welcome to the Beehive Capital Podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you again for the invite. Now, I did give a brief intro as to your background, though. Could you explain your role as managing partner at DreamMaker Ventures and what the firm focus area is? Absolutely. Um, so DreamMaker Ventures is a venture arm of DreamMaker Inc., an asset management company. Uh, DreamMaker Ventures was created about five years ago with the purpose of investing in some of the brightest tech companies coming out of Toronto and coming out of Canada. For the last five years, we've been industry agnostic. So we've invested in prop tech, insure tech, fintech, the logistics space, AI. So we've been fortunate to get into a lot of great companies over the last couple of years. Um, some of the notable ones being Hopper or Second Closet, um, which is disrupting the, the storage industry. And uh, you know, now we're excited to be able to sort of the evolution of uh, DreamMaker Ventures, uh, focusing on uh, Black founders. Beautiful. Now, you did mention that DreamMaker Ventures is part of DreamMaker Inc. Could you go into more detail as to what DreamMaker Inc. is? Absolutely. So DreamMaker Inc. Um, you know, has evolved over the last 15 years. Um, when, it, when it was first started, it was focused strictly on real estate um, as a real estate investment arm. Then it morphed into being the umbrella company for real estate brokerage. Um, then it morphed into being the umbrella company for a property management company. Then as we added DreamMaker Developments, it merged into being the umbrella for development arm and now the umbrella for the venture arm. So DreamMaker Ventures and DreamMaker Inc. specifically is an asset management company focusing on real estate, insurance, and the venture space. And then also the philanthropy arm is Dream Legacy Foundation. Initially, this all started with real estate, correct? Correct, correct. And what sparked you to get involved in real estate? Yeah, so two things really sparked me to to get involved with real estate. Number one, my dad's been in real estate for 20 plus years um, as a real estate broker. And even the first property that they bought um, almost 25 years ago, they still own it. So when we moved from Margrove and Albion to Woodbridge, um, they kept the property and rented it out. Um, so that was my first exposure to the aspect of investing, um, the aspect of building generational wealth using real estate as a tool. Um, and then when we moved to Woodbridge, um, a different community, a predominantly Italian community, I also got exposed um, to how real estate and development has helped build up that community and the value of real estate and how it's been used from a generational wealth point of view. Um, so through that, um, I knew right off the bat that I wanted to get into real estate. Um, and I got into real estate with my first property at 21. Um, I knew that you know, going back to my parents to ask for capital after they sort of helped with uh, my tuition to, to get into university. While at university, I knew I had to sort of find other source of income 
Um, so that's when I you know, start to work at UPS from 12 to 4 a.m. every day. Um, and that's the capital that I used to start investing into real estate uh, when I was 21, uh, 22. And from that point, you've expanded the various arms and now you have Dreammaker Ventures. So I'm curious to know what sparked the desire to transition into technology? Great, great question. Um, You know, for almost 15, 16 years, um, we've been advocating within the community and just in general that real estate is a tool to create wealth um, long term. Real estate is the tool to create generational wealth. And then, you know, my investors always ask me, you know, what are the fundamental factors that are driving the real estate prices? And, you know, in Canada, we always talk about immigration, private sector investment, public sector investment, the healthcare, you know, security, education, all those key fundamentals have indirectly made Toronto and Canada a great place to invest in. Um, And then as I was doing more research in other cities around the world, I started to notice, especially in in San Francisco, in L.A., in New York, that tech and innovation and tech founders was indirectly impacting uh, where the real estate market was going. When exits were to happen, where does capital flow? Commercial buildings propping up because of employment of tech employees. And then I saw Toronto was slowly becoming Silicon Valley North. And for us, we said, do we want to be just a service provider to the tech space um, and providing housing opportunities, commercial opportunities, investment opportunities, or do we actually want to be involved with helping to shape and grow the tech space um, because it was still fairly, fairly young five, five, six years ago. So we thought that it'll make more sense to be actively involved in it and diversify our real estate portfolio. And that's when we launched Dreammaker Ventures. And I was really focus on trying to invest in some of the brightest entrepreneurs in the space. And we truly believe from an equalizer point of view that tech and innovation, since it cuts across all industry, is another avenue to level the playing field and to also build wealth long-term. Now, at this moment in time, you're involved with things such as the Black Innovation Fellowship, and we'll definitely get into that. And I believe one of the premises to the Black Innovation Fellowship is your belief around environment and barriers uh, that are experienced. And I would like to dig into that a bit further. What role does environment play in personal and professional development, in your opinion? I think it plays a very big role. You know, what you see, what you're exposed to, who is speaking to you, the representation of the community that's speaking to you or that person that's speaking to you um, shapes who you are. It, it helps shape your long-term view and your belief. Um, like I said, when we moved from Toronto to Woodbridge, it was an environment, mental shift. It changed my mindset of the possibilities um, within business, within real estate, because of what I was exposed to. When I went to University of Toronto, it was, again, another shift in the environment with the students that I was interacting with. When I play in the construction and the development space, it's another shift in environment with who I'm interacting with. And through those different changes in environment that I've been put into has made me realize that, you know, there's nothing stopping me from succeeding. There's nothing stopping other individuals that look like me from exceeding as well, too. Like my three daughters, um, 10, 7, and 5, because of the environment that I've placed them in, 
whether it's bringing them to the construction sites or bringing them to DMZ at Ryerson and letting them see tech companies pitching or watching Shark Tank and Dragon's Den with them has shaped their mindset that when they go to school and the teacher asks them, what do they want to be when they grow up? They could confidently say, I want to be a builder. I want to be a venture capitalist. I want to be an investor only because that's what is um, around them. That's the environment that they've been placed. Um, that's what's been exposed to them. So we truly believe that environment and exposure shapes the way an individual thinks that where they could be in five years or in 10 years. And it also gives a sense of hope to that individual, regardless of where their background is. So for us, we try to create environments and infrastructure so that individuals that typically don't have access to something could come into an environment, feel safe in that environment, and feel that through this environment exposure, they could also grow in that space. So whether it's in the real estate space, whether it's in the construction space, whether it's in the technology space, whether it's in the venture capital space. I resonate with that completely. Oftentimes, it's the confidence, it's certain events that happen throughout your journey that really spark a confidence and a belief that I can do this, right? And oftentimes, it's exposure to those scenarios and circumstances that breathe the event that sparks that confidence. And so uh, it's, it's a very great point. Now, what barriers have you observed in the tech and venture capital ecosystem for underrepresented or racialized community members? Yeah, so the, the barriers are very clear and, it, and it's access, um, access to funding, um, access to networking, access to mentorship, access to attraction team that could take your company from here to there, access to opportunities to open the door for different types of clients and customers. And those barriers, we automatically destroyed it once we launched the Black Innovation Fellowship. And we launched it within the DMZ, one of the top tech incubators in North America and in the world from a university's perspective. Because by launching that incubator, we automatically created access to Black founders um, for mentorship, access for Black founders to collaborate with other companies, access for Black founders to be in a room where a lot of venture capitalists are coming in to look at companies to invest into. Um, so those were the barriers all around access that Black founders and entrepreneurs and underrepresented founders um, were missing. And through the Black Innovation Fellowship, we were able to create it. So what do you think is the key to enabling inclusion and diversity? You know, a lot of people talk about diversity uh, and then they forget about the role of inclusion. You know, diversity is being invited to a party and inclusion is when you're at the party, um, getting invited to dance in the party, getting invited to actually come to the floor and actually partake in the party. So for us and through our foundation, Dream Legacy Foundation, we're trying to bridge the gap between diversity and inclusion uh, within corporate Canada, within key industries. An example of that is with the Black Innovation Fellowship, where there's a lot of organization talking about diversity within the tech space and doing events around diversity, around speaking about it. That's great. Inclusion is when there's dollars being spent 
in the tech space to grow tech companies is also going to black founders. When there's incubators being set up and inviting companies to get access to mentorship and get access to um, interaction, they're also including black founders. So that's the distinguished difference between diversity and inclusion. Diversity is speaking about it, inviting it, acknowledging it. Inclusion is actually saying come and participate in a space that you typically don't participate in. Don't just come and watch and acknowledge that there's an issue in this space, but here's an avenue for you to participate in it. And given this participation, what do you think the ripple effects are? Yeah, the ripple effects are massive. Within the Black Innovation Fellowship is going to have three major impacts within the Black communities. The number one is increasing the number of Black businesses that are going to be created and growing and scaling within the community, within an industry that is the future, which is tech and innovation, which cuts across all industries. That's number one. Number two, as Black businesses grow, what it also creates is mentors um, within the Black community. Because now every founder and their partners or their management team automatically becomes mentors for the next generation. It's one thing to have mentorship program and going out to at-risk locations to speak on, you know, encouraging students they could become the next venture capitalist or the next founder of this company or the next VP. But if they don't see themselves in the person that's actually saying that to them, it's hard for them to believe it. So by growing the Black Innovation Fellowship incubator with Black companies, we're also creating representation with mentors as well, too. Then we're also creating an avenue for internship opportunities, because now with every Black-led business that's entering through the BIF, we've also created an opportunity for those businesses to create internship opportunities for students and youth within the Black community that typically have a hard time getting access to internship opportunities. So we're tackling three major areas um, with one program, increasing Black businesses, increasing mentors within the mentors representation, and then increasing internship opportunities. So those are all around the social with economic framework. The next ripple effect is also increasing employers that will now have intuition to hire within the community. So now all of a sudden, the ripple effect is increasing the number of job creations um, that will be happening within the community. And because of where we've housed the Black Innovation Fellowship, and now with the launch of the Black Innovation Fund, we're increasing capital inflow within the Black community, capital inflow within Black businesses to allow them to scale. Any Black businesses that's able to scale will now have the ability to invest back into the community. If Black businesses are investing back into the community, they'll be able to create more infrastructure. If more infrastructure is being created, it'll be able to have the next generation go to spaces, interact with individuals, and create a platform for them to also grow in. And by all of those different pieces working together, we've now created a sustainable, economically driven community. Now, with that said, it seems that 
the intent is to have inclusion and diversity within the tech ecosystem. And the vehicle for attaining this intent is the Black Innovation Fellowship. And you've just explained the ripple effects of this. Now, even more specifically, could you explain what exactly is the Black Innovation Fellowship in terms of the partner, how you got into that arrangement and essentially the structure of it? Yeah, no, great. Uh, so again, it was about three years ago, you know, I got appointed to sit on the board of the DMZ. So sitting on the board of the DMZ, I got to see some of the tech companies that were getting into the incubator. Then I'll get invited to a lot of the different incubators across the city, whether it be Mars, 111, Communitech. Um, I'll get invited to a lot of the tech events. And as I was going to all those different events, I, I noticed a lack of, of diversity, a lack of underrepresented founders, and no fault to any of the incubators. It's just that there was just a lack of black founders in those incubators. So I went back to the university and to the DMZ and said, it'll be great if we could create a program that's deliberately trying to increase the number of black founders. Um, and that's when the Black Innovation Fellowship was created. Um, right off the bat, we were fortunate to get partners like Shopify, uh, Bank of Montreal, and the Canadian Women's Foundation to come on board uh, to, to donate into the initiative. Um, and we're excited to announce that as a result of this current movement that's happening, we've been able to get uh, more individuals to double down into the Black Innovation Fellowship, individuals outside of the community like Harley, um, COO of uh, Shopify, and uh, Michael Hyatt, one of the top venture capitalist investors um, in the uh, Canadian tech ecosystem, and other companies as well, too, and now the government as well. So we're excited to see that, you know, something, a dream that, you know, was dreamt about a couple of years ago is hidden mainstream, but it's also having a massive ripple effect, not only just in Toronto and Ontario, but across Canada for Black founders. Excellent. And I believe DreamMaker Ventures also has a diversity fund, correct? Correct. Could you explain how the fund fits in with the Black Innovation Fellowship in terms of providing extended support and opportunity going forward? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one thing we saw right out the bat is for a company to be successful, they have to be in the right environment. Uh, we talked about environment earlier. For an individual to be successful, the more positive environment that they are in, the more positive exposure that they get, the higher chances they'll be successful as an individual in the future. Same thing goes with companies. Um, for companies to be able to succeed, they need to be part of an environment. So the first thing we wanted to do is not just create funding for companies, but create that environment. That environment was created through the Black Innovation Fellowship. Now, for companies to be able to scale, for companies to be sustainable, they need to get access to resources. So through DreamMaker Ventures Diversity Fund, which is going to evolve into the Black Innovation Fund, will now be that funding arm for some of the brightest tech companies within the Black community that are going through the fellowship. So the ones that are able to scale, they now know that there's a funding component that will help lead their series A round or even lead their seed round or help do their bridge round. 
and then give them the capacity and the capital needed to be able to scale and their capital needed to be able to be sustainable. So we're excited about the evolution of Dreammaker Ventures into the diversity fund slash the Black Innovation Fund. I'm very excited for this as well. This is a first of its kind, and I'm sure that there are many founders out there that wish that this type of program and environment was around when they had first started their journey. Now, thinking towards the vision of where you see the BIF going and where you see the Canadian technology sector progressing, and also where you see members of underrepresented and racialized communities going. Could you explain where you see the Black Innovation Fellowship going? Yeah, so again, uh, um, we're, we're excited to see the impact that the Black Innovation Fellowship, the Black Innovation Fund, uh, the Black Innovation Bootcamp, the Black Innovation uh, Launchpad, which is going to be for students um, right from elementary school to high school, the Black Innovation Bootcamp, which is going to be focusing on uh, new entrepreneurs and founders that just have an idea and are trying to take their idea into a concept and scale it. Um, and then the Black Innovation Fellowship for companies that are already operated and need a space to incubate. And then the Black Innovation Fund that will be able to invest in the best companies to allow them to scale. When you look at all those different pieces, in five to 10 years, we see the Black community as a whole becoming economically stronger. Uh, we see more employment increasing within the Black community. We'll see more investments from an infrastructure point of view happening within the Black community. And we'll see actually more opportunity for Black youths very early in their age that they could go down this positive path in their career because of the opportunities that are being created for them right in the city of Toronto and in the province and across Canada. So we're truly excited to see the way this program and this initiative is going to have a generational impact. And what would you say your vision is for the Canadian technology sector going forward as these impacts layer into the sector overall? I think once again, it's going to show why uh, Canada is one of the sought after countries by individuals and families across the globe. And I think this will now put Canada as a leading country and put Toronto as a leading city when it comes to diversity and inclusion and will help strengthen the Canadian tech space because stats have shown from McKenzie, uh, from Goldman Sachs, that a more diverse company directly leads to an increase in revenue and sustainability for that company as well too. So with Canada being involved in helping to shape diversity and inclusion within the tech space, the benefits of that is a growing and flourishing tech ecosystem for years to come. Excellent. And what is your vision for members of underrepresented and racialized communities going forward, given the changes or the improvements or the increased access within the technology sector and these ripple effects of, for example, BIF going forward? My vision is, and what I know that would definitely happen is, individuals and families from underrepresented communities 
will no longer need to worry about whether they have access to funding, have access to mentorship, have access to networking um, when they are starting a new business, when they're thinking of a new idea. And that fear that if they come up with a great idea, they wouldn't have the opportunity to scale it. That fear will be gone and there'll be more encouragement and more intuition for individuals within underrepresented communities to want to become an entrepreneur, to want to create big businesses because they now know that there's an avenue for them to scale. There's an avenue for them to get mentorship and an avenue for them to be in an environment where they'll be able to work with other founders that have the same initiative, which is to scale a successful business. Well said. Well, that brings our time here to a close. I'm very glad that we were able to have this conversation and I truly value and appreciate the impact and the dedication that you've put towards achieving this intent. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you again for the invite and uh, conversation on something that's truly important, um, especially in a time like this. You know, we'll be able to look back 10 years from now and say 2020 was uh, truly a once in a lifetime period and moment, not only for the world, but for the black community um, as a whole. Excellent. Okay, Isaac, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Beautiful. Take care, man. Thanks for joining us on the Beehive Capital Podcast. We hope this sparked new ideas, aha moments, or raised your spirits during these trying times. All the best, Douglas Obusu and the Beehive Capital team. Thank you.